Hello, friends. John Eldridge here. Welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast here in the week of April 5th. And oh my, what a strange, strange time it is. Such a stressful time on the earth. And we are so hoping that our recent installments on the COVID-19 epidemic and then also Expecting the Wonderful have been very helpful and encouraging to you. We've got a great series that we are starting now. But before I tell you about it, I want to mention two exciting things coming up. On Tuesday of this week, April 7th, and for the next three Tuesdays, the 7th, 14th, and 21st, we want to invite you to join us for a live conference at noon Mountain Time. We are using the Zoom technology that everybody is leaning into hard these days, since most of us are at home, because Zoom lets thousands of people participate in a live event, and it lets us do something really fun. We are going to present some messages to you that we think you'll find super encouraging, beginning with um, hope in the restoration and all things new, but then we get to kick you out into small groups and you get to have a live, wonderful, edifying time of small group interaction right there with people from all over the world. It's really, really amazing. So hope you can join us for that. Now, you do have to register. It's free, but we need to know how many people are going to show up for this to prepare the technology for it. So come to our website, ransomtart.com backslash Zoom and simply sign up for the free events on the 7th, the 14th, and the 21st. I'll be doing the first one. Stacy, my wife, will be doing the second one on Defiant Joy, and then I'm going to come back on the third one on the 21st, talk about moving mountains and the power of prayer. So we think that's going to be a really, really neat experience. And this is part of our Don't Isolate campaign. We know the hardship of this. Everybody is tucked away and the isolation's beginning to take a toll, and so we really want to encourage you, come connect with us and connect with one another. Okay, the second thing I wanted to tell you about is Stacy and I have been moved to actually offer a word of encouragement daily. And so we are posting every day on Facebook, on the Ransomed Heart Facebook page, just some spiritual mothering and fathering. We just turn on our iPhone here in our house, and we come to yours with some thoughts on how to navigate what it's like to be sheltering at home, how to navigate stress and uncertainty, some thoughts on what we think God is up to. So wanted to make you aware of that as well. Now, da 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 I can introduce the new series. So in the idea of not isolating, what we really want to encourage everyone to try using some online technologies to get back into small groups. And a resource we have never produced, we finally have done this week. And for the next four weeks, what this series is on is how to tell your story and how to listen to someone else telling theirs. Because if we're going to love one another, if we're going to be involved in each other's lives, whether it's friends or small groups, church, spouses, you need to know one another's story. You really do. But most people don't know how to tell their story in kind of a, you know, 45-minute, one-hour small group setting. And most people don't know how to listen to a story well and what to listen for. And so I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating. I'm going to introduce it now with 
the three members of our team who are joining us. So I'm in this small group and the session is on my story. And I've brought this piece from a season in my past, specifically some high school years. And one of the themes of that time was being attacked and feeling very much like everyone else was against me. And the metaphor was actually that I was on a ship and I was the only person on the ship and everything else there was a rat. And it felt like this was high school for me because mm. anyone's never gone to high school. The other it's high not, schoolers are rats. It's not inaccurate. And they want to devour you, right? Yeah. So that was my experience because that's where some of my wounding came in. So I, I share this story. And as the, the guys in the room are responding to it, I think looking back, I may have miscommunicated a little bit. I was trying to say that I felt vulnerable but what came across was sharing any part of this feels a bit like a test of how are you going to respond to it. But one of the guys, instead of hearing test, heard that like I was tricking them, like the story wasn't real, like I'd sort of taken him on an emotional journey that didn't happen. And so he starts yelling at me, I want to be the rat. I want to devour you. <laughs> what? Whoa. And I was like... <laughs> That was that was literally the point of the story going that was the wound poorly and you want to partner directly with it now that you know the language to oh wound gosh. you again. Well well done good sir. That's wow. horrifying. And welcome to small groups. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Ransom Tar podcast, friends. I think we're all in for a treat. We're going to start a little mini series here on how to tell your story and how to listen to someone's story. Because our deep conviction is the basis of any Christian fellowship, the basis of any Christian community is advocating for one another and, and fighting for one another towards greater wholeness, towards more freedom and, and towards a richer life in God. Well, you can't do that if you don't know their story. And so a group of us were sitting around the other day riffing on this topic and sharing some war stories from small groups, but also talking about how it could be good and redemptive, mm -hmm. and we wanted to share it with you. So with me in the studio this week, Stacy Burton. Hi, Stace. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Stacey did some lay training in mm -hmm. uh, counseling and small group interaction, so that's yep. why I asked her to come into this. I want to hear a little bit about that. And then got Sam Eldridge on the Ensons team here. I'm mostly here for the rat story. For the rat story. Thank you for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for the first time ever in the studio, Luke Eldridge. Making my debut. First time ever. This is exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Luke currently in grad school, but agreed to come in and, and help us think through some of these issues uh, together. So, friends, as we start this, I'm just so curious. Even as I say small groups to our listeners, like... What's that trigger in you? What good experiences out there with small groups, bad experiences with small groups? Because we really do believe it can be super redemptive and super healing. I've mm -hmm. seen phenomenal things take place in small group settings. Healing souls, healing hearts, healing bodies. I, I've seen people get breakthrough from lifelong things. So it can be real redemptive. But that's not people's. Yeah, there's a but. There is a but. So to you three, mm -hmm. as I say, even just the word, hmm. small groups, give me some immediate sort of Rorschach test reactions here. Small groups. 
my chest tightens. Why? I don't know. It feels like the religious spirit loves to hover over small groups. And I've had great experiences. I've had great groups. But that as God's taking me back, I think overall there's regularly the religious spirit that really wants to settle in. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be super relevant later. Thank you for naming that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. That there's The first reaction is pressure. Like mm-hmm. I hear small group and I go, oh, gosh. Like what we're going to try and do is fit a star peg through a circle peg hole and I'm going to get shaved off. Everything doesn't fit. And it's probably going to be my family and my schedule and things that aren't okay. Because I think... The goal is probably to be known, but we're going to do it poorly. And I know personally that one of my great desires is to be known. And so there's hope in a small group, but a lot of disappointment historically. So I feel that tightness as well of like, if somebody told me I had to do a small group, my my reaction would be, why? (laughs) Oh, totally. I think Olivia and I are actually about to start leading a small group and we can't call it a small group. We're calling Mm -hmm. it a life group. Because even the word and phrasing has a connotation to it. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are coming out of some other few people group settings. I won't call it small group. (laughs) Not a large group. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like. Yeah. If we were just start throwing words out there, small group makes you think, don't want to be vulnerable. Obligation. Mm -hmm. Not sure I want to reveal. Mm Mm-hmm going to be awkward. Really wish that one guy who's angry wouldn't come. Yeah. You know the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just a mishandling of my heart. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the common heartache. Mm-hmm. If there's been a negative group experience, it's been that your heart was missed. Yeah. Right? In, mm-hmm. in some way. And we want to fix that because we think it can be redemptive and we've seen it redemptive and, and we even have some training in this. So this little mini-series is dedicated to First, this idea. If you're going to help someone, if you're going to love someone, if you're going to be their friend, if you're going to be their spouse, if if you're going to be involved in someone's life, you need to know their story. Mm -hmm. You have to know their story because the answers are back in the story of why they are the way they are and why they fear intimacy or what that anxiety thing is about or why they won't take that promotion that they're so qualified for. And, you know, on and on it goes. It's in the story, right? To love someone well, you really need to know their story. If you're going to do a men's group or a couple's group or even if you're just studying something together, we really recommend that you start every group you're in by knowing one another's story. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to suggest here is that you give one night, one evening, one session, however it is you meet, but typically it's evenings, you give one session per person to tell their story and then to receive some loving interaction and, and maybe prayer or whatever is appropriate mm-hmm. around their stories. So not a lot of groups do this, but we really recommend it that the groups or communities or home fellowships, but certainly friendships and marriage are centered around knowing one another's story. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the podcast, we're going to do how to listen first. How do you listen to someone's story? And then the other part will be how to tell your story. So we thought we'd start with how to listen to someone's story. So 
you've been in those settings, you've been that person, you almost know best because you know what you want, mm-hmm. right? But as you think about giving folks some counsel, okay, we're together, and this could be together over coffee, or this could be a formal group setting. It's someone's night to tell their story. How do you listen well? How do you handle someone's story well? I think the very first thing that I go to in thinking about listening and creating a space to listen to someone's story, it's really important to affirm that it is a confidential space, that everything that's being said and shared is just to the people in the room. Those that are listening are not going to go then and share that person's story. Mm-hmm. For the safety that is required to go to vulnerable places, there needs to be a sense of confidentiality. It's yeah. huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then I think how important the setting is going to be. Thinking about, um, I'm going to be way more vulnerable in a living room or a garage than I'm going to be at a busy coffee shop where I'm worried about the person that's not in this fellowship overhearing. Oh, totally. Right. You know, and I think I could do share my story in a coffee shop one-on-one, but anything larger than that, I just think about the setting. Yeah. But even one-on-one, we, like, we think that that's going to be the case, but all of a sudden you're sitting at a table with just two of you, and so mm-hmm. you're surrounded by random strangers, mm-hmm. and you're going to start dialing back the stories of trauma and pain and shame that you're willing to share. You're going to like dial that language all the way back and you're not going to feel seen. So totally resonate with the, I'm asking myself, we know that counseling works. Why is it that listening to someone's story in a group sucks so often? (laughs) Like in theory, they should be kind of similar, like the same, at least 30,000 foot view thing is happening. Mm. Someone is being listened to and someone is telling something of their life. And you go, you don't get counseling in a coffee shop, probably. There is a sacredness and a protectiveness. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel safe or protected, you're probably not going to go very deep. So so how do you create a safe environment then? Right, especially in the beginning, right? When you don't really know each other, you haven't heard stories. Yeah. You need a brave soul to begin. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's really helpful is releasing my agenda. Because another story of another group setting is some person is telling their story and it's deep. And then there's the other person who's so eager to do the, oh, that happened to me too. That happened to me too. And then they're off on their story, right? Oh, gosh, that's so bad. You know, we've all been there like, oh, my gosh, like I, I want to be heard too. So the space— Or even it feels like empathizing at first. Oh, right. You're like, oh, gosh, me too. And you're like, oh, but well, that's not actually what just happened. You didn't yeah. empathize. You, you just diminished and you derailed oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 So release my agenda of it's not about me. Okay. This is their time. And I love the moments of like, gosh, that totally triggered this place in me and reminded me of like when I was abandoned. And I'm so sorry. And then mm-hmm. it's back to them. Yeah. So, and that helps them feel heard, I am, not steamrolling the... I am the kind of person that needs to hear that counsel release <laughs> your agenda. I'm that person in the group because I want to see something happen and I want to, yeah. you know, and that's not helpful. Like, they're going to feel that. Mm. If you are eager to fix, eager to mend, eager to pray, eager to use your healing prayer skills, your listening prayer skills, this new thing that you learned. Or even this, your experience oh, and how yeah. it, how you 
got fixed. Yeah, there you go. Release your Mm -hmm. agenda to listen compassionately to someone Mm -hmm. else's story. Create a safe space. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, we're just there's a rabbit trail there that's that, like needs a little bit more okay. plumbing of um, maybe it's your gifting of I really want to see certain results or I really want to be able to go after you hear someone's story and sometimes their wound or their major theme is so obvious to you and they can't see it because they're just smushed up right against it and you're like I want to just say this because it's going to make everything better. Sometimes that's the case. I have experienced, however, the the other scenario where somebody isn't comfortable with things being hard and they want to just throw on platitudes or Bible Mm -hmm. verses or almost like make things better where like they're not gifted as a counselor or they're not gifted as someone who can sit in difficult things. And so you start going to those places and in the middle of the story, someone just starts going like, well, that, but that's not what your inheritance is. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're not actually trying to fix me. You feel uncomfortable. Right. And so be aware of that. You mm. are trying to get out of this situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many stories, so many groups that the gold has been someone feeling seen. They didn't need to get fixed. They didn't need to get totally rescued in that moment. They just needed to finish telling their story uninterrupted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basic things. You're going to create a space that is safe. Living rooms, you know, cabins, garages, not public spaces. And and you're going to say, I'd love to hear your story. And you have the evening, you have an hour, and we're not going to interrupt. We're not going to interrupt. We just, we just want to hear. And so not interrupting really causes you to surrender your agenda, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got to just be really patient and really okay. And another thing I heard you saying was, the more you can be comfortable with messy, the better. Because people's lives are messy, and it may not go great, mm-hmm. but there may be some really difficult things in their story, and you got to be okay letting that be out there and not right. rushing to encourage mm-hmm. if you're an encourager and not rushing to teach if mm-hmm. you're a teacher, right? And then for me, on the other side of the spectrum, the pressure to be amazing with an amazing response can keep me from listening. So to start from the get-go, that Mm. the point of this is not to offer some amazing insight that heals their story, but just to listen to it. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be amazing. There's a wonderful, wise, existential psychologist, Irving Yalom. He's a phenomenal writer. But his little mantra is, it's the relationship that heals. Mm. It's the relationship that heals. It is simply being heard, mm-hmm. right? And he mm-hmm. has a pretty big toolbox in yeah. a lot of years. You know, he's a PhD guy, and but he's just aware of, like, Luke, what you're just saying, just to listen mm-hmm. in a caring, compassionate way is an incredible gift to people. It's so good. I'm thinking about how much... I can struggle with listening for two minutes without thinking about the thing I need to say. So when you put that to an hour, we are pretty Mm -hmm. bad and unskilled at listening. And so there's going to be some growing pains as you sit there on your hands and pay attention. Yeah. So when I think of these spaces you want to create, actually setting a time on it is really honoring and is really important as it begins to go around the circle if it's going to be... I don't know, say there's six guys in the group and you all get one night, but for each guy to feel like their story matters, 
there's going to be that, am I on the same playing field? Am I responded to the same way as each guy that went before me? Because essentially, am I going to be seen is always being asked? And am I going to be responded to well is always being asked? And so when someone shares something difficult, that's actually probably the tip of the iceberg. There Mm -hmm. probably is a lot more. And if you mishandle that or try to solve it, there's going to be a lot that you miss. And similarly, if somebody talks for 45 minutes and then gets blown off and the next guy talks for three hours, you're actually going to be taking out the guy from last week because his story wasn't honored in the same way. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened in my last small group experience. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it was a marriage group, so it was Olivia and I together, and we were going to tell our stories, and Olivia and I go first, and beforehand we had agreed that we'd have an hour, so... The group had agreed that there was an hour. Yeah, there was a collective agreement that it would be an hour, and Olivia and I stuck to it. We practiced beforehand. Oh, wow. We had the time limit. We stuck to an hour. The next couple that goes, goes for two hours. The next couple that goes, goes for three hours. No. The last couple goes for four hours. Oh, wow. Oh, seriously. No. No. Oh, wow. I'm like, it's late. Yeah. And you like, how do you say, hey, stop talking? Mm -hmm. You're taking more time than me. But that totally took me out because I left things out. I tried to be concise. And the message of that was, your story is more important than my story. Okay, gang, so we are going to get to how to tell your story, but as listeners, as you are providing the environment, when we get to how to tell your story, we're going to say, don't take four hours. You know? mm-hmm. But set an environment where that's respected. Like, Well, it's called containment is, is wow. the phrase in a counseling office, right? Yeah. So it is, this is how long you have. And it can feel really insensitive, as you were saying, Luke, as a listener, when someone starts going too long to go, um, you have 10 minutes. Yeah. But it actually is establishing a very protected space because if your posture is, you have all of my time, then the opposite is also true. Like, I'm not, you have none of my time. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fully available to anything at any mm-hmm. moment rather than you have my full attention for this set amount of time. We will yes. give you this dignity. Yes. So that is a listener space skill yeah. to go, uh, make that someone's responsibility because it's going to mm-hmm. be really hard to do the little chimes, set the phone alarm and go, this is a legitimate counseling practice to say you have this amount of time and we yes. will fully honor you in that space. We're going to stick yeah. to it. And I realize I have a background as a therapist, but I even do that now in one-on-one meetings. When somebody comes in, I will say to them at the beginning, I have 50 minutes for this mm-hmm. or I have 30 minutes for right. that. Is that okay with you? So you just set Set the expectations. Culturally, it feels so mm-hmm. rude, right? Like it's hard to do. I was coming over for dinner and you told me you had 35 minutes. That felt a little weird. But <laughs> actually, <laughs> we respond really well to it. Like when someone tells me I have this amount of time, I know I have their full attention for that time. And yeah. it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in setting a specific amount of time, listening, also setting a specific amount of time to respond afterwards and knowing that that's coming. Hmm. Yeah, that's good, too. You can't listen for four hours either. Right. This is one reason why counseling works, is the boundaries are good and it's a safe environment, as well as in a counseling setting, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Sam, listening and being okay with silence is an art, I think, Mm -hmm. and really important. If someone says a quick five-minute story... It almost feels like, can I trust you with more? 
So to have a space where the listeners are not interjecting because it's awkward and silent can be really helpful to be like, yes, we hear you. We're staying with you in this. It's so good. So to kind of set a big picture, of course you want to love. Of course you want to respond with compassion. In many groups, healing prayer is very appropriate Mm -hmm. or ministry of some kind. Yes. However, what we're saying is don't rush to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't rush to that. You let them have their full time, whatever was appropriate to the group, without interrupting, Mm -hmm. without eager to get to the prayer time, without Mm -hmm. trying to fix things quickly, because really to honor someone's life, to honor their life, to simply listen to their story is an extraordinary gift. It's so rare in this world. It just doesn't. honor. Right? Yeah. It's really, golly, you want to love people well, listen well, and therefore don't rush to fix, don't interrupt, don't, you know, you, oh, I, oh, me too, me too, you know, just, um, sure, of course you can react like, whoa, that is heavy. Mm-hmm. Please go on. I'd like to hear more. If someone's telling their story and they have paused because they're experiencing strong emotion, just sit there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just let them. Because right. they may be struggling to find a memory. They may be struggling to find words. Mm-hmm. They may be feeling the weight of it. And you don't want to break that for them. And those are the crucial moments where Jesus is so active. He's taken him back to a childhood wound. He's taken him there and he's with them there. So yeah, let him do his work. Let me ask As you are listening, what are you listening for? When you think about loving people, wanting to bring Christ into the space, they're telling their story. What are you listening for? Yeah, I think I get to share a positive life group memory. Oh, a good story. A good story. (laughs) Okay. Is it your only one? We're going to try and balance this out. (laughs) So after having shared... And then there being a time of response, the leader came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I noticed a pattern in your life. There were all these moments where you were called into leadership. I really think that that is something God is calling you into and something that he's anointed you with. And for me, I had never noticed that in my story. And when he pointed the pattern out, I could totally see it. And it was really affirming. And it was a really helpful and beautiful moment. So just the pattern that kept showing up throughout the stories I was sharing about the chronology of my life. Wow. Listening for patterns, listening Mm -hmm. for themes. Yeah, Luke, as you say that, like themes can also manifest in phrases that people will throw out about how they feel towards themselves or seasons or choices or relationships. And I've, I've seen that as well to be paying attention to, whoa, this but it was too hard phrase keeps getting repeated and seems to be something that they are living under. And that is important. If it seems obvious to you, that doesn't mean it's stupid. It might not be obvious to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their facial expressions are key. My counselor's a brilliant lady and I'll be talking about an ice cream cone. And if I'm smiling, she's like, where are you right now? Like, how old are you? And the harder ones, like when I'm talking about an ice cream cone and there's tears in my eyes and I get the question, what are the tears about? It's 
a few words, and it's just a brilliant Mm -hmm. question. Some guys called me out because I shared a hard story and laughed at a point of a lot of pain for me and had like a sneer on my face. And Mm. it was this moment of like, um, are you aware of your body posture, your face? When you had that moment, they didn't interject. I was able to finish the story, but they made a note mentally to come back there and be like, Sam, when you talked about pain, you were sneering at yourself. And you're not aware, are you? No. That's what's so helpful. Really helpful. Yeah. So gang, there's what is said and there's how it's said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the story they're telling and there's the way they tell it. And so, yeah, if someone is checked out and they are just reporting facts, yep, parents divorced when I was three and then I was in an abusive situation. So I was put into foster care when I was seven and they're just rattling off facts and you're going, whoa, whoa, hang on, time out. You are telling me the hardest story I've actually Mm. ever heard. Are you aware of how checked out you are right now? So there's what they say, and then there's how they say it. What's their Mm -hmm. body language? You know, just paying attention Mm -hmm. to dismissal, you know, minimizing things or patterns of agreement of, but that was probably just me, Mm -hmm. but I probably deserved it. But I, you go, oh, I'm picking up on things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's what they're saying, Mm. and then there's how they say Mm -hmm. it. And I think, Sam, you pointed out something that's really important to know is that you're not yelling this out as they're telling the story. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh, look at your face. (laughs) Yeah, but you are taking notes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just even encouraging you to literally take notes because they might say something in minute 10 that you want to come back to 40 minutes later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. One of the things that I was encouraged early on as almost my first response as they finish their story, thank the person for sharing it and ask, how do you feel right now? Mm -hmm. Well, where are you? Like Mm -hmm. having said all of that Mm -hmm. to us, how are you feeling? And A, it really takes the pressure off of you to have a home run first question, but it also puts the focus back on them to go, was their story super analytic and did they just blow through it? And they might say, well, I feel pretty distant or I feel pretty checked out. Or was there a lot of emotion? And they're like, I've literally never told my story like this before. Yes. That's going to be super helpful data mm, yes. in how you respond. Yeah. And yeah. I think the vulnerability hangover is something to be aware of on behalf of the other person. We were in a big group counseling session a few weeks ago. And after the person shared something super vulnerable the facilitators asked the group to say a response. And this isn't to hijack their story, but again, a way of saying, I heard you and this is what it did for me and thank you. And I felt that that was a really safe space for the person who just poured their heart out to just know they're not alone. This is really big game. Everybody has a gravitational field. And their gravitational field is going to try and get you to do to them what everyone else in their life has always Mm -hmm. been doing to them. I guarantee it. And the gravitational field is partly their posing, and it's partly their agreements, and a lot of it is the warfare that's set against them based on significant life moments Mm -hmm. and what they believe about the world. You know, so you've got to be aware it's actually data. You're not a bad person. If you're sitting across from someone and, oh, I just can't wait. Can we get past this, please? That's data. 
that's data. Like, notice what you feel towards this person. Oh, my God, they're boring. <laughs> you know? Or, yeah, or, unfortunately, or, not all data is very clinical, right? Like, not all data is, oh, that's very interesting that I'm being mm-hmm. uh, pulled to feel None violent about them. You're like, I want to punch this I person. I want to kill you. And you're yeah. like, why do I want to? I know I'm not a violent person, but I hate this person all of a sudden. Yeah. You're like, ooh. It's data. Yeah. It's really helpful mm-hmm. because you are encountering the gravitational field around their life, the collection of warfare, what the enemy's trying to do, what people have always done. So like you were talking about the dismissive person, Mm -hmm. you know, and the person's telling their story very dismissively. You will be so tempted to dismiss it too and go, oh, thank you, Frank. Hey, how about uh, some refreshments, everyone? Well, not yeah. only you, like all of a sudden, everyone will have forgot to turn their phone on airplane mode and they'll start going off and someone's going to come to the door and like yeah. the world is going to help partner you with that. And this is almost takes us back to my rat story. Like that's what happened to that guy. I was taking them into a particular story they picked up on the gravitational pull of it, and he got sucked right in the middle of it and started partnering with it. And <laughs> oh, it was my like, gosh. Oh. I'm a rat, too. I'm, I'm going to dis- devour you. Yeah, like, I want to destroy you, too. I, so I was able to have a little bit of mercy, like, a couple of days later, but I was like, oh. He got sucked into the war against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a friend, and whenever I'm around him, there's just this competitiveness. I am not a competitive person at all. And it just fascinates me that that's what comes out. And it's so telling to me because it's such a difference of my character. So it is a great thing to be aware of. Like, this isn't me. Where is this coming from? Why am I feeling so competitive all of a sudden? Yeah. And and just to have grace to go, gang, it's probably not you. So I don't normally feel competitive. Mm -hmm. Huh. I wonder what in this dear person's story. Right. Is about that. It matters. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you can circle back around at the end and without saying, you know, I just want to punch you or I feel really, <laughs> I, I just want to dismiss you right now. Without, but you mm-hmm. can say, um, has competition been a, been a thing in your life? Or, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering about competitiveness or, yeah. right? And, and try and invite some of that out. Oh, are you kidding me? I grew up with five brothers and everything was competition. Right. All if you wanted to be heard in our house, if you wanted an ounce of love and attention, you had to compete for it. And then, mm. boom, you're off to the races. You know? And love will enter the atmosphere then. Because once you know the story, you have nothing but compassion for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good, Stace. Love will enter the story. I know, friends. I know. I know. Lots to think about. That actually may be raising some things that you want to invite Christ into, some really disappointing experiences. I've actually had some really wounding experiences in groups, and so we may have triggered some of that, and so invite Christ there, maybe go journal a little bit about that, and I know there's just tons of content in what we've given so far, so we're going to pause and pick up in part two of this series with Stacy Burton and Sam and Luke and John Eldridge here on how to listen to someone's story. 